Scale Nation, I've had several people on the show that talk about how we keep our internet lives, our online lives secure, and there are just people out there that are trying to hack into our day-to-day activities. Well, one of the ways they do that is we have very simple passwords. And if you are selecting your own passwords and not using something to randomize passwords, you're probably more vulnerable than you think. A tool that I've been using for years is called LastPass. LastPass will create passwords for you. It'll store passwords. It will autofill passwords on certain websites. You can even share your passwords with people without giving them access to your actual passwords. LastPass has given us an affiliate program, which you can access by going to scalinguph2o.com forward slash LastPass. You can try out one of their free options and you can see why I have been a fan of theirs for years. Welcome to Scaling Up, the podcast where we scale up on knowledge so we don't scale up our systems. My name is Trace Blackmore. I get to host this awesome podcast. I get to see all of you as we are getting back to normal, having face-to-face events. Yes, it's finally happened. We are meeting in person again. So I cannot wait to see some of you at the conferences that are coming up. Now, I won't be at this one, but the U.S. Water Treatment Conference, it's going to be November 3rd through 6th. If you are interested in that, go to our show notes page and we will send you all the information that you need to know about that. And then having said everything is in person, well, not everything is in person. Of course, we are still taking advantage of webinars. There's normally at least a dozen webinars you can attend on a weekly basis if you want to go out there and find them. Sometimes it's difficult to find them, so I'm going to make it easy for you. The Rising Tide Mastermind, the Scaling Up H2O podcast, and the Association of Water Technologies are teaming up to bring you the business webinar series. And on October 29th, Michael Wardy is going to talk to us via webinar about how do we prepare for an eventual transition in our company. Now, there are a lot of people out there that listen in the Scaling Up Nation that are getting ready to sell their businesses. They want to make sure that they know what they need to know in order to transition to the second chapter of their lives. Now, there are other people out there that have very new businesses, and you are probably thinking, I do not need to even start thinking about selling my company, transitioning to sell a company, or anything that is involved with that process. And I'm here to tell you, I hope you change your thinking, because if you own a business and you run it, So you could sell it at any time. It doesn't mean you will, but it means you're keeping up with your business. Just recently, we had a conversation on episode 205 with Marty Stevens, and that was the advice that he gave the Scaling Up Nation 
to all the water treatment, to all the business owners out there, that the first thing you do when you decide you're going to sell your car is you start cleaning it up. You get all of the crumbs out of the cracks and crevices. You clean inside the doors. You clean the jams, all the places that you've neglected over the past three years that you've owned that vehicle. Hopefully, you've owned a car longer than three years. That's a horrible investment if you're trading something in every three years, but that's a different show. The point is what you are doing is you are making sure that it looks its brightest and it looks its best. Michael's going to share that with you. So again, if you're getting ready to sell a company or if you just own a company, this is something that you are going to want to attend. You are going to have handles after this webinar that you will be able to start working on some of these items. Now, if you go to our show notes page, you will see a link where you can register for this event and you will not be sorry. Something else I know you are never sorry to hear is a James's challenge. So folks, here's James. Hello, Scaling Up Nation. The next James's challenge as we grow as an industrial water treatment professional drop by drop is... Test for microbiological activity in your cooling systems. I've left this challenge wide open to make you think about all the possibilities. Does it refer to running aerobic bacteria dip slides, SRV tests, nitrifying tests, denitrifying tests, ATP, online monitors, or others? Does it refer to open recirculating cooling towers or closed cooling systems? What are the action levels? What do you do when you reach those action levels? Are there plans in place? Be sure to share your experience on LinkedIn by tagging it with hashtag JC21 and hashtag ScalingUpH2O. This is James McDonald, and I look forward to seeing what you share. Nation, there's so many ways to test for microbiological activity in cooling systems. I hope you are taking advantage of that. I hope you're doing something with the data too. I can't tell you how many customers that I have seen that do dip slides every single week, but they do not do anything with those dip slides. Or their water treatment provider does not do anything with those dip slides. And normally they're not working together. The company's management group normally says you have to run these dip slides and then they just run them. And perhaps they actually get those dip slides from the water treater, but the water treater doesn't empower whoever is running those on-site tests to give them information so the water treater can make better decisions on their programs. I can go into an entire show about that. Maybe I will, but it's not going to be today. As always, I hope you are completing every single James's challenge. And as you do those, please, as James mentioned, hashtag your results. Hashtag scaling up H2O and hashtag JC21. Nation, one of my favorite things for me to do for you is introduce you to friends that I have outside 
of the water treatment industry. There is so much to learn outside of the water treatment industry and then apply within the water treatment industry. I know that you are going to enjoy my interview today, so here it is. My lab partner today is Paul Edwards. And and Paul, I don't even know how to describe you to my audience. You're kind of a renaissance man. You do a little bit of everything. So I'm not going to do it justice. How would you introduce yourself to the Scaling Up Nation? Trace, it's a pleasure to be here. And uh, I like the renaissance man thing there. In fact, I'm just going to roll with that. We'll start with saying I'm a renaissance man. But, uh, you know, if you were to put it into words, if you were to put it into a description of what I do, and entrepreneurial, entrepreneur, founder, CEO, privileged leader of a team of fantastic ghostwriters uh, and content creators, and uh, husband, father, and uh, disciple of God, and Iraq war veteran, and uh, part-time amateur bodybuilder. And also, uh, you do a lot of voice work as well. I do a little bit, yeah. I, I, uh, I'm always taken aback by what people think of my voice because I'm just listening to it in my head and I like my voice, but I don't, I don't hear what other people hear. And, uh, yes, that's turned into some, uh, some lucrative opportunities for me. Yeah. You, uh, you've got kind of a, sort of a Randy Travis thing going on. Randy Travis. I like it. I, I got to check that out. I haven't paid much attention to him. Now. I also hear that you're pretty good with impressions. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, that's where the ghostwriting thing comes from, right? Because when you're when you're attempting to write in someone else's voice, it's handy if you actually know how to make your voice sound like theirs. Because when you read the content you've written, you can say, well, let me read it out loud to myself in their voice and say, does that sound like something they would say or how they would express an idea? And it's helped me pull out so much of my way of speaking from the content so that it sounds like my clients are the ones writing it. Yeah, somebody that you and I both admire is Aaron Walker, and he was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, and I heard you do a big A impression. Can you do one for the Scaling Up Nation? I believe I could do that. I mean, if, if Big A were right here, he'd say something like, come on, big man. Hey, Trace and Paul Edwards together in the house, man. I'm fired up. That's pretty good. <laughs> that is pretty good. If he ever can't make a podcast, I'm sure you can stand in and nobody would know the difference. I've, I've thought about it, you know, because uh, both you and I swim heavily in his ecosystem there with the mastermind. After a while, especially in a relationship like that, you really get a good feel for how people speak, what they say, fra- the phrases they would choose. We've invested a lot of time and effort learning his voice. It's, it's, it's an easier than average voice to learn because he's such a character and he's got the thick Southern twang and all that. But you still got to be wary about he has a great vocabulary, but in writing, what would he say? You know, you have to be judicious about that. One of the people that I've been working with for years, he's my business coach. His name is Tim Fulton. He tells everybody that there's a book in everybody. And he's been on me to write a book for at least the past 10 years. I actually started this podcast because it was easier to do the podcast than it was for me to sit down and write a book. But that's what you do. What advice do you have for me and all the other people out there that haven't gotten their book out yet? Yeah, you know, the funny thing is when people hear everybody has a book in them, we're always tempted to to think in the shallow end of things, of our humanity. And what I mean by that is in the same way that we think 
as entrepreneurs, right? I do this, I specialize with this kind of work, but so do a thousand other people. Why would anybody choose me, right? We tend to think of our human experience that way too. Oh, well, I've, I've grown up in this part of America and I went to school and then I got a job or I started a business. So I got married, I had kids. What's unique about my experience? Well, see, when, we're, when we start in the shallow end, that's, that's where we make our first mistake. The book inside us is in the depths. But if you don't, if you don't know how to access that, you need help. Uh, even if you do know how to access it, it's better done with help. Because what I find is like I can access the deep stories inside me. I have vivid memories that I can that I can recollect things pretty easily. But I do even better if I have someone interviewing me and saying, tell us about a time that this happened. And then all of a sudden, this memory that I had buried that I haven't told anybody for decades comes to comes straight to the forefront. I'm like, I forgot that I knew that. So when you're writing a book, right, the strength of the book especially nonfiction. Fiction is a different ballgame, and I don't swim in that pond, and I, and I have nothing but respect for people who do. But when you're talking about nonfiction, the most boring thing you can do with a book is tell people facts and figures. But if you can tell a meaningful story in a sequence that, that builds upon itself as it goes through and shows people, there is a different way to do things. There's a, there's a better way to do things. And I'm not saying this because I'm on my high horse. I'm saying this because here's my story of doing it the wrong way versus how I do it. Now, it's, you're just taking people on a journey through your stories, which are compelling because they're relatable and human. So I tell people, yeah, absolutely everybody has a book inside them. Yeah, a couple of things come to mind in, in listening to that. One, I just get so distracted when I'm sitting down to write. It, it, the littlest, and normally I don't get distracted over things. I, I can I can put my mind to something, I can get it done, but there's just something about when I try to write, I'm not into it. So am I doing something wrong? Am I not in the right place? What, what do I do? Well, um, I, you know, I like to say that my clients mostly have both the talent and the treasure to do this, if they could actually find the time, uninterrupted, unencumbered by their normal business routine, their family, all that other stuff. In other words, if you had as much time as my team has to write, then you could probably get it done. What everybody's lacking to some extent is time because we're all on a exactly equal footing there. Nobody gets 28 hours in a day. So the reality trace is you probably could. Now, you may run into other problems that most people don't foresee with the written word. And one of them is that when you write, you lose all of the tonality, body language, facial expressions, and eye contact that you have with an audience when you're speaking one-on-one, whether that audience is one person or a thousand. That's not necessarily a problem. It just means that you have to be even more sharp and clear about what you mean. Otherwise, you lose the reader. And there are so many ways to lose the reader. There's run-on sentences. There's going off on a tangent, right, in the middle of something that makes sense. And then the next thing you know, you're reading and the reader's like, what's this got to do with anything? So you need extra eyes watching for when you're doing this, because if you're not careful, it turns into babble and it's not coherent and nobody can follow it. And therefore you lose the reader. So I, I dare say that that is actually what for most people, it's actually a blessing that you get stymied when you try to start because what God is trying to show us is don't write these stories alone. Well, that's interesting. And I'll tell you the things I have written, my my wife is just excellent with grammar 
and and syntaxed, and I'll get her to proof things, and I'll think what I wrote is great. She'll read it, and she'll, what the heck are you talking about? So I think a lot of what you just described is happening in my writing, but I, I will say I enjoy speaking, and and it's it's got to be exactly what you mentioned that I'm able to use my my tone, my inflections, my facial expressions. And my process for speaking is I create a, I call it an ugly outline, a coach I'd worked with in the past uh, taught me that terminology, and just basically all the high points that I want to cover. Uh, And then I'll rearrange it so it has a very concurrent thought going all the way through it. And then I'll start working on it to create a pretty outline, and then I'll create the, what I want to create from there, the story. I think I've done that with the book, but when I write it down, again, if I were to speak to my wife in the exact same way that I was writing, I think she would say, I got it. But when she reads it, she's like, what the heck are you talking about? Yep. Uh, forgive an, an, an illustration that uh, may ruffle a few feathers, but uh, a very clear example of this is former President Trump, right? If you watch a campaign rally, He's all over the map, but it's okay because you can see him. You can see his facial expressions. Yeah, he's going from one topic to the next. And sometimes it's even difficult to follow him in person. But if you read The Art of the Deal, it's smooth and coherent and flowing, right? He doesn't leap from one thing to the next faster than the average human being can follow. And that's deliberate. Not only did he hire a ghostwriter to do that, but that's part of the ghostwriter's purpose is to make sure, okay, let's make sure that this actually follows a narrative that people can tap into. Uh, plus, right, the, the clarity. It takes just extra thought and extra eyes. It's a, ma- it's a mastermind process, if you ask me. That's why I, I use a team rather than do it myself. You just need extra eyes saying, this part makes sense. This part I don't get. What does that mean? Until we get to the words that 99 out of 100 people are going to be like, yep, I get it. Well, you mentioned telling the story. And when you mention that, Pat Lencioni comes to mind. And Pat will do a fable to teach you a business lesson. And I'm a huge fan of Pat's, but I like Pat a lot more in his last chapter than I do in all the previous chapters, because I really don't need all that story. Just tell me what I need to do, and I'll take something from it, and I'll go do it. And I've mentioned on this show before, I really changed my appreciation for Pat Lencioni when I brought his books to my team. And they were like, oh, a boring business book. Oh, we got to read something that Trace would read on his off time. But they really got into the story. And because they got into the story, they learned what they needed. So there's probably a disconnect there that I maybe don't think I need to tell the story. And and everybody else is asking for the story. So I need to find a way to get that unlocked so I can entertain as I inform. Yeah, you know, there, I'm, I'm thinking of the analogy of a symphony orchestra while you're describing that, Trace. And I think what happens for us as entrepreneurs and CEOs and visionaries in our companies is that we can conduct the orchestra, right? We can see all across the violins and the oboes and the, the brass section and the percussion and all that. And we generally have some degree of knowledge where all those bits and pieces fit. But if you send a musician off to practice by himself and all he's playing is his violin part, or all he's playing is his uh, French horn part, he's waiting to hear, what does this sound like when I'm playing it with everybody else? Right? What does it sound like in concert? And how does my contribution flavor what everybody else is doing? 
And I think that's what the stories do. The stories simply give us a context and background to say, oh, I'm here doing this boring job of, you know, licking stamps and putting them on an envelope. But on the other hand, those stamps and envelopes are going out and money's coming back in. And when it's coming back in, we get to expand and I get to get promoted and have a greater role. So you're showing courtesy and maybe courtesy is not the best word, but you're showing um, empathy for the different roles within your organization by opening it up and giving it background and context. And that gives them a chance to say, I want to buy into this story. I want to be part of it. I want to dig deeper into it. Well, you started out by saying, as we communicate, it just unlocks stories that, that you've never thought about. And, and as you were telling that, uh, I was a trumpeter in high school. I haven't thought about that in years, but I remember it was, I believe it was my junior year. Uh, I was in marching band and I tried out and I got the solo for Tiger of St. Pedro. And we, uh, we hadn't practiced that with any of the other band members. The band director just sent us out. Or I think we had to go pick it up because the email really wasn't a thing back then. We had to go pick up our part. We had to practice it. And I found a CD when we actually had music on CDs that was Tiger of St. Pedro. And I, I would play with the other instruments. And I remember when it was my time to do the audition, and everybody else was playing, it threw all the other people off that were auditioning to be the soloist. And because I practiced in that way, I just went straight on through. And I think that's why I got it. Yes, because you knew the story. It was not virgin territory to you. It was, it was practiced. It was smooth. It was, oh, I, I'm part of this much bigger scenario that's going on, and I don't see it. And so, so a couple of things happened there. Not to get too off on a tangent here, but I think when people are called into that story, they stop being, you know, unable to see past their nose kind of thing. And it expands their depth perception of what's going on around them, so to speak. And as a leader, right, this is this is the core of what our agency really does. Everybody likes to say, well, you, we, we write books and we write content. Yes, that's the that's the product. But at the core, what we're doing is we're making leaders better communicators. Because when you have leaders who are great communicators, great things happen, right? They used to call President Reagan the great communicator. And when he was in office, great, great things happened, right? <laughs> the Berlin Wall came down. The Cold War was over. The economy boomed like never before. Not because he was pulling levers, but because he was a great communicator of inspirational and uplifting and forward-thinking principles and a mindset and optimism that galvanized the entire nation. So it really is all about communication. Leaders are successful if they can communicate well. Companies are successful if they have good communication in their company. Books are well-received if that communication is, is received well from the author. So how do we get in that mindset? So how do we get that we're now conducting the orchestra, everybody's doing their part, everybody's following along. How do we know we're effectively communicating? Is there a pattern? Is there is there a, a three-step process we can follow? Yes and no, because the simplest way to know if you're communicating well is to see if you get a response to it or not. And is that response the one you want? As a practical example of this, I'm uh, have like an attorney-client privilege type of thing of, of mentioning specific names. Uh, but I have a client who I write some executive correspondence for. And 
for years, the executive correspondence in, in a company of that size has been about what you would expect for executive correspondence in a company that size, quote unquote, for for people listening, right? It's it's basically shallow corporate correspondence nobody pays attention to. Well, we decided we were going to do that differently because he felt, the client, that it was inauthentic to him to write like that. And, it, and instead, he wanted to write in a much more engaging style. And so we did. And we started writing these letters and he started to get responses from the team. These people started to respond. You know, he said some people who responded were people who had never, ever, ever responded to any email he'd ever sent. So that's one metric. The other thing is, over time, what you should see, if we're doing this for the right reasons, to the right audience, at the right time, what you should see is a gradual moving of the needle in some way, shape, or form. If you're communicating to your email list, for example, you should start to see more engagement. You should start to see more inquiries, possibly even more sales if we're getting into sales copywriting and that kind of thing. But otherwise, you know, you should you should just see the open rates, the all of those things that you pay attention to should begin to trend upward in the direction you want them to. And and when it comes to communicating within your organization, the 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 general morale should be enhanced by that at, at a bare minimum. It's not that everything depends on writing, but it's that the more you send the right message to the right people in the right medium over and over again, the more it sinks in and they begin to respond to it. And that frees you up as the leader because now you don't have to spend so much time repeating yourself and correcting people's misunderstandings. A friend of mine does a newsletter every Friday to his company. He owns a software company and he's doing extremely well. He's just blowing it up here in the Atlanta market. But his newsletter is it always talks about the failures of the week. And he does that to show vulnerability. And what people do with that, and whether how they try to make it a success or they learn from that, it is just amazing. And he was he was sick once and he didn't do it. He he meant to do it, he meant to pre-schedule it. His company fell apart because they did not get that Friday communication. He got it, of course, got everybody all calmed down by uh, saying that he was sick, but people were really looking forward to that. And I have to say, most leaders don't like to show vulnerability because they then feel weak. But I've seen so much success happen for him because that's what he shares. Yeah, I stumbled across something I'd written a little while back that spelled this out, and that is that... um, when you are vulnerable, when, you, when you're willing to let to risk that people see and know your weaknesses, you disarm accusers because you, they can't accuse you of something you've already confessed to, right? And you make other people who have, which is all of us, right, who have frailties and weaknesses and failures and all that, you, you make them feel utterly safe. I'm like, oh, this guy knows what it's like to make a mistake. This guy knows what it's like to have something potentially embarrassing and yet risk sharing it. So I can share that too. I don't have to, I don't have to walk on eggshells around this guy thinking I've got to be on my P's and Q's 24 seven or he's going to can me. So when like my team started to, to come in, when they first come in, they're like the first draft I sent you, I, I, I closed my eyes and held my, held my breath and clicked send. Right. 
thinking you were going to fire me. You weren't even, and I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not what it's, that's not what we're about. And when a leader is like that, right? When, when a leader is willing to share those type of things. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's magnetic. Well, let's shift gears just a little bit. We're talking about internal communication. What about external communication? Because everybody's using social media and they're talking about themselves. They're talking about their products. And I'm going to tell you, that just turns me off. I, I don't even read those things. But I have seen people that celebrate their customers. And those pull me in. When, when I see them recognize one of their customers for something that they achieved, I, I want more with that. Is that something? Is that what we should be doing when it comes to promoting ourselves, our companies? How should we be using social media and external communications? I certainly recommend it if you can do it. I'm one of those rare businesses where I can't do it. Um, <laughs> but um, it's, it's certainly something with clients who have customers. We have written content like that. We've said, yes, absolutely. If you get a testimonial, we're turning it into a social media post. We're turning it into an email. And you celebrate, you know, celebrate the heck out of those people. You know, something that you do so many things well, but something that you are just a master at is networking. And just watching you, it seems like your goal is to help other people first. And you'll reach out to me and you say, hey, Trace, who do you need to know that I might know that I can introduce you? I think a lot of us know that networking is the key for us to do better because it's, life's all about relationships. How should we be doing networking? So you touched on basically the avatar mentality of our clients, right? Every single client that I've ever helped with ghostwriting has that servant leader mentality. I want to make everyone around me better. The key to this, to me, uh, lies in the ancient wisdom that says, um, you know, well, the, the verse goes, sprinkle all your offerings with salt. And what God was trying to get us to understand there is that salt, right, is a chemical composed of two toxic uh, substances, sodium and chloride, which when you bond them together, they become nutritious, delicious, and beneficial to all mankind. Which is to say, right, if I want something, if I want success, if I want new business, if I want opportunities, if I want publicity, the best thing I can do is go and give it away for free first, because then I can you know, I, I don't do it for this reason, but I can have a reasonable expectation that that will come back to me in spades. It's just happened too many times. So when it's when so when you're talking about networking, right? The main thing to me is like I want to be a giver. I heard our friend Brian McRae talk about this, right? Givers are at the top and the very top and the very bottom of the social strata when it comes to who benefits in um in relationships and in between them are matchers and takers right so you've got at the very bottom are the givers who never ask for anything so they're burned down and exhausted because all they do is give then you've got the takers right who just take 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 and give as little as possible then you've got matchers who yes they give but not without getting something in return but then at the very top you've got givers again right and these are people who are just radically generous but they also know what their time is worth and if you actually want them to help you, you got to be prepared to pay for it. And they know what their value is. So that's that's the way I think about it is I, I give outlandishly. But if you need my help with ghostwriting and my, my team's help, happy to give it. Here's what it costs. Right. And so many people, I think, especially when they get started, 
they're shy to to charge what they're worth and they're really undervaluing themselves and ultimately their clients because if they're not getting a win on that deal there's no way that they can get a win for that customer because they're not going to treat them the way that they really should yeah that was a hard part for me and i think you may remember from when we were in nashville what i shared about that we forget that although you're very talented at what you do. I'm very talented at what I do. My team's very talented at what they do. We, we forget quickly that our abilities are, are not the unique value proposition at the, at the core. We are. There's plenty of people who do ghostwriting. I'm not the only one. But only I do it the way I do it, with the people I do it with. Um, and I, I tell that to my fellow ghostwriters. We're a very collegial industry for that reason. We're like, we all know there are people in your circle I can't help and vice versa. So let's be friends because we can help each other's non-clients that way. People undervalue themselves because they re- they think that their value lies in what they can do. And that's that's true to an extent, but much more true, even more true than that, is your value lies in who you are uniquely as a person and who your relationships are. And that's what drives a lot of my pricing is that I bring into my team and work with the kind of people so that when you get that piece of content, it sounds like you, it reads like you, it has almost no mistakes, right? It has almost no corrections to make. And again, I can't advertise them, but you could ask any one of my clients, we hardly ever get a correction sent back or I don't like this. And, you know, or this isn't, this doesn't make any sense. This doesn't flow that all that kind of stuff doesn't happen. Well, I know one of them and, and he was telling me, did I actually write this? I, it sounds like me, but I know I didn't write it. Paul wrote this. Well, I, I have had that because, because like I'm doing this right. And I'm like, I, I hope this sounds like him. I've, I've, or him or her. I've, I've done my best. I've listened carefully. I've done my research. I've practiced it. I've read it aloud in the voice. But somebody might still, somebody who knows them well might still be able to tell, but they can't. They have told me themselves, I can't tell if it's you or him. You know, it seems like every topic we've talked about today has always come back to relationships. And of course, you and I met each other through the mastermind, and, and that's something that, that we join for the relationships to make sure that, that we're not processing issues by ourselves, that we're helping each other. And learning from each other's mistakes so we don't have to experience it. We can experience it through each other. I started a a mastermind uh, that serves our community called the Rising Tide Mastermind. And one of the issues that I have is so many people are unfamiliar with the concept of a mastermind. And they hear me come on the podcast and talk about the successes that I've had and, and how much people are getting out of it that are actually members of the Rising Tide Mastermind. But I think they expect me to say that. I find it difficult when somebody has no idea what a mastermind is to, to really let them know what it can offer them. Can you help me explain that? Uh, not in one word, but yes, I have had, um, I've spent a lot of time in this because it's not the entirety, but I would say probably a, a um, the largest majority of my clients are in the personal and professional development space. So when you talk about a mastermind, right, there's, there's, a, there's some connotations that go with that word that are like uh, terrorist mastermind. No, no, we're not talking about that. <laughs> yeah, that's bad. Right. But yeah, it. I use the word mastermind, but what I when but when they kind of cock their head and say, "What's that all about?" And I say, "Well, what I found is every time 
my life is going downhill. It's because I'm living in isolation and making all kinds of decisions by myself without input from anybody. And every time my life is going uphill in a good way, right? <laughs> my, and every time things are on the rise for me and I'm getting and I'm improving and growing, it's because I'm living my life in community and I'm presenting decisions and ideas and things I want to do to a board of, of directors that I trust who will give me unbiased advice. And from that, I derive speed, knowledge, accountability, and relationships. Speed in terms of both in both in the positive and the negative, right? Quickly scuttling a bad decision and quickly getting to the, the good decision and eliminating all the others. The knowledge base, obviously, right? If you and I were sitting together at ISI, there's an, a whole reservoir of untapped knowledge inside your head concerning a whole multitude of topics that we haven't even broached yet, right? And if you're curious about your fellow human beings, everybody's like that. Accountability, obviously, right? I discovered that week one in, in, in ISI. I was like, I was having a temper tantrum about something. <laughs> and uh, I said, wait, 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 hold on. If I, if I keep behaving like this, I got to walk into that online group on Monday and, and own it before these guys. Mm -mm, I'm stopping this right here and I'm posting it in the Facebook group and I'm ma making sure they know that's not going to happen anymore. And I stopped having tantrums, right? Private tantrums, right? And of course, relationships, right? It's our lives are made richer by relationships. We aren't meant to be solitary creatures. And especially men, we really don't do well in isolation. Yeah, when you were giving me some advice on on how to get the story out of my head, you alluded to imposter syndrome that, you know, why would somebody listen to me about my story? And and I think that's what people have when they are thinking about joining a mastermind. How am I going to help this person that's done all of these things that I've just referenced online? And the the short of that is, yes, you have so much experience that uh, it's different. So maybe you didn't accomplish the same things that I did, but you've done different things. And now you're able to help me with an issue through those experiences because it's different. So I know nothing about ghostwriting, but if you brought a topic to the group and I started relating that to a separate issue, would you find that valuable? Yes. I'm, I'm thinking of a great example of this, as a matter of fact, of how each story uh, is, is, is different and equally valuable. And maybe one story has a lot more positive at, at one point along the journey. But that other story that's colliding with it is going to be impacted by that. And then if that other story, that other person, in other words, takes that and, and makes changes to their lives, pretty soon they get to be the ones having the high impact. So um, just to give you a, a short story here, since we're talking about stories, um, I spent all of the, the uh, 2000s right, uh, in the military. And I was, you know, did a couple tours in Iraq and uh, finished out the decade completing my bachelor's degree and all of that. And at that same time, my future mentor was not fighting in the military. He was busy learning how to make money online. We're exactly the same age. So fast forward to 2017 when his ads begin to appear for his fitness products and I start working on his fitness training program and then I you know lose all this body fat get lean and start getting into bodybuilding 
eventually our destinies collide because I joined his mastermind. Now, by this time, he is way out in front of me in terms of his uh, earning power, buying power, however you want to slice it. But that doesn't matter because I'm being impacted by his story at the right time for my life. So now it comes full circle for me. Now there are people that I'm way out in front of. And those people, their stories are just beginning. And so they have spent the last several years, you know, kicking the can around, not really sure what to do, working a dead end job, not happy about it. Right. And they're in this, in a similar state to where I was, but now I get to help them and inspire them. So absolutely. Those stories are always consequential. They always matter. Paul, we've covered a lot of territory here today. And I really want to thank you for coming on the show. I'm not done with you yet, so don't don't think you're leaving. But I wanted to ask if you could only get one point across to the Scaling Up Nation today, what would you want that to be? More than uh, ghostwriting, we've talked about relationships. And here's the interesting thing, Trace. I, I realized this this very morning. The client sent me a note to say, hey, let's let's go ahead with our, the project. and. If you're not of the Judeo-Christian tradition, don't worry. You have your own version of this. But I'm just saying, I, I realized all of a sudden, boy, do I ever need to pray? Because, because all of this stuff bubbles up inside of me, right? There's, there's the, the adrenaline, the anxiety, the, the excitement. But, but what does that do? It, it, it destabilizes me from my normal pattern, right? And there's all this stuff, and I don't know what to do with it. But luckily, I have somewhere I can take it. I can take it to God, but then I also have these human relationships. That I can take it to through the mastermind and through my close friends and business. And the way you develop those relationships is, as we've talked about, is by being a, a giver, a generous soul among the community. That's what gets you people who are consistently, recurringly interested in your life and interested in what's going on with you. And we'll check on you if you go quiet for a while. So from the point of view of moving beyond your current place in business. There's so many variables, right? There's so many things that could change, will change, won't change. Uh, and sometimes you don't know which is which. And I would, uh, I was saying in my prayer this morning, I was saying, I need you now more than I've ever needed you when things have gone bad is when things are going good because I don't want to mess it up. I don't want to get greedy. I don't want to get proud. I don't want to get stupid and go and blow a bunch of money or call a shot without outside eyes on it. I just don't. And I, I, I can't see everything. I don't, I have too many blind spots. So I bring that right back to, you got to have those quality relationships around you all the time. And if you don't know where to start, if you're listening to this show, both the host and the guest can point you in a really good direction. <laughs> I love it. You brought up Ronald Reagan before, and I'm going to butcher the quote, but he said something like, there's no limit to what you can achieve if you're willing to give away the credit. Now, in thinking of that quote in our conversation today, and when I first started out in business, I was all about me. And when things happened, it was because I did it and, and I took satisfaction in that. I'm trying to remember what happened that really allowed me to open up and, and be vulnerable and share with others because that was the turning point. That's when things really started to snowball with me because I wasn't doing life alone. And, and let's face it, it's so much more fun to share achievements with other people. 
So a, a question I have, because I know you've thought about this a lot, is, is what has to happen to change that mentality? Well, I would love to say that so many of the uh, negative things that happen to us are avoidable if we would just do this first, if we would put this first. I feel like that's mostly wishful thinking. It's not completely impossible. There are people who do it, right? There are people who learn to listen first time. There are people who do it way earlier in life. But but for a lot of us, right, for me, uh, I was age 39 when I realized what a mammoth ego I have or am capable of having. It took me 39 years to realize, Edwards, you just have far too high of an opinion of yourself and your and and what you think is right. So sometimes it can be that. Sometimes it can be disaster, right? Sometimes it can be, you know, uh, you, you lose a key relationship, you lose a marriage, you lose uh, somebody you love. It can be everything you've built and the house of cards that you've stacked up on your pride comes crashing down. People have that happen to them. I think what it really takes is that internal shift that is at least curious to consider all possibilities as to why it happened, not just the obvious external ones that you can point your finger at and conveniently blame. If you're willing at least to say, okay, maybe I'm not 100% responsible, but maybe I'm 50% responsible or 25%. And what could I do differently? What mistakes will I not repeat so that this doesn't happen again? I think that's that's the beginning of wisdom there. I love that answer. Well, I've got a couple of lightning round questions for you. These are questions that I ask of all of my guests. And then, of course, the listeners, they bet and see, you know, if they can guess the answers. They don't do that. But it, it's fun to compare. So here's my first lightning round question. You have the ability to go back in time and speak to yourself on your very first day as starting your business as a ghostwriter. What advice would you give yourself? That's a good question. My very first day in business as a ghostwriter, I would have said think deeper. It sounds so easy now to me to say that, right? When you're starting out, it's not so easy because you're like, well, I'd like to think deeper, but to be quite honest with you, I don't know what to think about, right? So there's a whole litany of questions that follow that statement, of course. But having said that, you know, I've got people that I know now who are starting and who are in their start point, you know, near the starting line for their, for their business journey. And if I get the opportunity, I share with them stuff that I'm like, if, if somebody who would have been there to tell me this when I was starting out, I would be so much further ahead right now. So, you know, it, it might take some work. It might take a lot of phone calls. It might take a lot of Zoom chats. It might take a lot of getting together with people and waiting until you hear the right things. But I will say from the mastermind experience that I have heard a lot more of the right stuff way earlier than I would discover it on my own. Yeah, I love that answer. What are the last few books that you've read? I'm having a ball reading this um, Who Not How that we're, that we're working on right now. That's a great one. I have to look over at my bookshelf now. I just, oh, yeah, I just read The um, Common Path to Uncommon Success, the one that uh, Big A gave us from John Lee Dumas. That was really helpful. And um, I, I keep reading it. I keep finding new examples real-life examples from uh, Business Secrets from the Bible by Rabbi Daniel Lappin. I just, I watch it happen. I watch it unfold in my business all the time. When they make a movie about Paul Edwards, who plays Paul? Well, that's a good question. See, I don't know who the, who the Hollywood actors are anymore. I don't pay any attention to them. <laughs> so if you take time out of the equation, 
the uh, there there are a couple of actors. Not many people would necessarily know who they are. They weren't like A listers, but uh, Billy Zane or Arnold Vosloo would be the ones that that sort of look like me. And uh, there could be one or two others. That, that's that's generally who I think of. I think Randy Travis should get a shot too. Randy Travis. All right. We'll, we'll consider him for the audition. There we go. <laughs> Hollywood is working on the script as we speak. All right. My last question to you. You now have the ability to speak to anybody throughout history. Who would it be with and why? I would have to go unquestionably with um, Yeshua, better known as Jesus Christ. And I speak to him all the time, but audibly replying is not is far less common. He does reply, though. I find the replies just come in the form of nature or something I read or something that somebody says to me. But to get the chance to, to get the chance to speak with him face to face and to actually hear his voice, see, like for me, I've reached a point where I'm enjoying the success. But I said, I said to myself this morning, if I can't have God in the process, if I can't have God through the process and over the process. What's it worth? You know, it's not going to last without him. It's not going to have its intended effect if I'm not over time maturing and becoming more and more of a disciple and a true follower of him who, who reflects his glory to the world and actually behaves very similarly to the way he behaved while he walked the earth. Well, Paul, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, I'm sure my listeners are wanting to learn more about you. Where should they go to do that? I have a uh, website. Um, the URL is the, T-H-E, Paul, S as in Simon, Edwards.com, the Paul S. Edwards.com. <laughs> we have a joke. My wife is considering um, starting to do some web design and website building and all that on the side. And so her first project is called um, My Husband's Shoddy Website, <laughs> <laughs> which is to say... <laughs> Which is to say, it's not—it's probably not the most glamorous place in the world. But you can find me online there. Um, you can also—I'm on social media. My handle for all of the channels is at the Paul S. Edwards. Same thing. So that's the best place for people to find me. And chances are, we've already read your books. It's just if you did your job right, we'll never know that they were your books. There is a good chance of that. Yep. Well, Paul, thank you so much for coming on Scaling Up H Two O. Hey, Trace, thanks so much. It was great to be here. Nation, there's no secret. I get so much out of being a member of a mastermind group. I would never have met Paul if I did not put myself into places where it forces you to meet people and when you get to know those people, you start realizing how you can help each other. And in a mastermind group, that's what you're there for. How do you help each other? Who do you know that you can introduce somebody to? And how do you get that other person to their next level of success? Paul is just an incredible guy. In fact, after we did this interview, he introduced me to one of his friends and had me on his podcast. So more about that when that comes out. But again, I learned how somebody else did their podcast, and he actually does a podcast about podcasting. So I learned, and that was all due to Paul Edwards saying, who can I introduce you to? Here's some ideas of some people I think you need to know. And then he did it. 
So Paul, thank you for that. And Nation, if you are not a member of a mastermind, well, I hope you check out ours, which is the Rising Tide Mastermind. You can go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash mastermind to find out more about that. But folks, the point isn't that you join our mastermind. Of course, I would love it if you considered that, but you need to put yourself out there in environments that force you to learn, that force you to grow, that force you to help other people. I promise every aspect of your life will get better because it's being looked at, because other people are forcing you to look at it. And you're paying good money to make sure that it does. So please try to find a group that allows you to do that. And as always, if you want to check out scalinguph2o.com forward slash mastermind, it's a mastermind that I created with you in mind. I'd love to have an interview with you to see if you were right for the mastermind and the mastermind is right for you. Nation, I look forward to bringing you a brand new episode next week of Scaling Up H2O. But before I sign off, I do have an ask. If you have something you want to hear on this show, please don't keep that to yourself. Let me know what that is by going to scalinguph2o.com. Go to our show ideas page and let me know what that is. Or better yet, record a voicemail on that page and I will play your voice asking that question and get your question answered right here on the Scaling Up H2O podcast. Have a great week, folks. I'll see you next week. Scaling Up Nation, we have just started a new group within the Rising Tide Mastermind. I am so amazed at how successful and how well received the Rising Tide Mastermind has been in our community. And we are starting a new waiting list for the next group. If you want to get on this waiting list so you can start with our next group, go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash mastermind to see if this is the right group for you. And then after you and I have a brief conversation to make sure the group fits for you and you fit for the group, we can get you on that waiting list. I can't wait to talk to you. Remember, scalinguph2o.com forward slash mastermind.